Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your very own primary care provider. Our bodies need cholesterol, but how much is too much? And what should you do if you're concerned it's starting to build up in the body and cause blockages? Are there any all-natural things you can do about it? Well, today we are going to learn a lot more about cholesterol than you may think, because we do need a certain amount in our body, and it's not all bad for us. I'm joined in the studio today with Dr. Catherine Nakamura, and we're talking today about a natural approach to cholesterol. So thank you for joining me in the studio today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you're a naturopathic physician, so that means that you've done four years of medical school training just like I did four years of medical school training. But the focus is a little different on what types of things that you learn, not about the basic science, but about some of the treatments that we use. That's correct. What's different about your approach to the health and wellness of someone who comes to see you? So um, in a naturopathic perspective, um, in in addition to similar courses that you take, um, we also learn things on nutrition, botanical medicine, um, other non-pharmaceutical approaches to managing patients. So um, for some folks who actually graduate within four years, some will take upwards to five um, because we do learn about pharmaceuticals as well. So you learn about some of the prescription medications that I might give to individuals, but you mentioned botanicals, which is plant-based treatments. That's correct. And then some other types of supplements. You know, it's funny because the supplement industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. And, you know, lucky for me with the prescription pharmaceutical industry, we've got the FDA that's monitoring things, but it's not the same in the supplement industry. And I I do hope that in some way that changes so that we can have more monitoring and have more purity standards that are implemented across the board for certain types of supplements. But so you, you do the same anatomy, physiology, pathology, same sort of courses. We could be classmates in that sense. Yes. And then you also learn about some of the pharmacology. Right. And you also learn these natural abilities to use botanicals and other treatments. And you mentioned nutrition. Yes. Because I, you know, that's an area that I really think medical schools are now looking at, trying to focus on food as medicine a lot more than I think we used to. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's been in the tradition of naturopathic physicians for, for as long as I know. That's correct. And then while you're doing school, there's some additional training. There's internship, there's preceptorship. There's other times when you're doing things with other providers that are helping teach you, kind of like I did as well. Mm -hmm. And what's really neat about our education is not only do we work alongside other naturopathic physicians, but we do have the option to work size with medical doctors as well. So we do have both experiences. Well, and I think for most patients, when they come in to see uh, either one of us, they do want to hear about what can they do that's all natural, you know, and in fact, the first treatment for a lot of medical illnesses is really take a look at lifestyle changes. We kind of put it all and lump it into that category and say, you know, diet and exercise. And it's almost like it's it's a, the same thing we say to, to a lot of different problems. But it really gets down to the fact that a lot of the things that we eat are good for us, and a lot of the things may not be. So really tailoring nutrition to what your body's needs are is going to be an appropriate way to use your food in a way that's healthy for you. So like you should not eat Snickers bars all the time. They might taste good, but they're not so good for you on a regular basis. 
So let's talk a little bit about cholesterol, because that's something that, you know, in the medical community, we have certain standards. And over the last several years, the standards for cholesterol seem to have gone down lower and lower and lower. You know, I remember years ago when I was in medical school, it was anything below 190 was great for your bad cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And now we're sort of saying, no, no, it needs to be much lower. What exactly is cholesterol? And what does our body do with it? So cholesterol is a waxy, fatty-like substance that our body actually produces naturally, uh, mostly made through our liver. Um, but, you know, although it has a bad rep, um, we can't function without it. Um, so, you know, ways in which cholesterol is actually essential for us is that it serves as a major component in cellular membranes. So things like nerve and brain tissue plays an integral role in that. Um, it also serves as a precursor to things like vitamin D and certain hormones like testosterone, estrogen, um, cortisol, which is in, plays an integral role in inflammation. And it also serves to um, synthesize something called bile acids. Um, bile acids are excreted from your gallbladder, and what it does is it helps to aid the um, digestion of things like fats and fat-soluble vitamins. So really, our body uses cholesterol. When you say cell membrane, that's the cells of our body. There are gazillions of those. So in every different part of the body, there is a purpose for cholesterol. And you mentioned that your body makes cholesterol. The liver is sort of the cholesterol synthesizing area. You also can eat cholesterol. That's correct. What sort of foods tend to provide cholesterol in the diet? So things like meat products, um, dairy products, um, and also processed foods. When you look at the back of the label, if you see things that says trans fats or saturated fats, those are other sources of cholesterol. And cholesterol becomes harmful when it exceeds beyond um, what your normal body requires. And um, as a result, uh, you think of things like cardiovascular disease, um, which can uh, take into part, you know, what your cholesterol levels are, um, whether or not you have comorbidities or other conditions. Um, so all in all, those uh, with the bad stigma that you have associated with cholesterol, um, you usually think of that in terms of the way that it affects um, cardiovascular issues. So when we talk about cholesterol that you get in your diet, you mentioned a lot of animal products. Plants, do they have cholesterol? They do. Um, they actually have things called plant sterols. And plant sterols are great for the body because it actually helps increase something called HDL. Um, HDL stands for high lipoproteins, and they're also known as your good fats. And what's beneficial about things like HDL is that it allows your um, bad fats to actually trans be transported from your tissue to your liver, where then it can be excreted out. Yeah, I like to talk about the high, happy HDL. That's your high-density lipoprotein, which, again, like you mentioned, <clears throat> gets all the cholesterol out of your body. So it really helps to clean out those arteries. Now, what about the LDL? So the LDL, also known as your bad fats or low-density lipoproteins, um, the reason why we associate it as being harmful is because what it does is it carries cholesterol from your liver to your tissues. And so it becomes problematic in the case of something called atherosclerosis when you end up having a fatty um, buildup or deposit or placking um, that happens within your arteries. Uh, this becomes problematic because as plaque builds up, um, the amount of space within the vessels thicken, and this can narrow the channels within the artery, which reduces blood flow, and in turn, um, lessen the amount of oxygen that happens to other parts of the body. 
So we really don't want to have too much of this LDL around, but we need some of it. So we need some to help provide some of those same cellular membrane and other reactions you talked about that the body needs, but we don't want to have an excess. So you mentioned that the HDL can increase with plant sterols with the ingestion of plants. Is that why we often talk about the best kind of diet? You know, even the Ornish program is based on plant-based diet and eating. Right. And so oftentimes with cardiovascular um, disease uh, relevant diets that are um, beneficial for that, we hear of things like the Mediterranean diet. Um, the reason why things like the Mediterranean diet are beneficial is because when you look at their dietary intake, they're consuming a lot of plant-based foods. Um, in addition to that, they do have low consumption of meat products. And you'll see that a lot of their protein sources are derived from things like fish. Um, and then you also hear about olive oil, too. So all in all, when you're thinking of the Mediterranean diet and you're thinking about lowering your cholesterol, what you want to opt for is a plant-based whole foods diet. And sometimes it's easier to kind of follow another diet. And so usually I recommend Mediterranean diet. Well, and I got to tell you, having been to the Mediterranean, it's gorgeous and the food's delicious. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Catherine Nakamura. She's a naturopathic physician and an expert in helping us to figure out what are the natural ways that we can help treat our cholesterol and keep ourselves healthy and well. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Catherine Nakamura. She's a naturopath physician, and she's talking today with us about cholesterol, some ways that our body needs it, and some things we can do to help support our body so that we get in what we need, but not too much of what we don't. Now, right before the break, we were talking a little bit about how cholesterol itself is actually available in foods, but our liver makes cholesterol as well. So when we think about trying to lower cholesterol, often the body will produce cholesterol if it feels it needs it to support those other processes. So we don't want to have zero cholesterol in our body. We may have a liver that makes so much cholesterol that we want to reduce the amount that comes in our diet so that we can balance that, but we certainly don't want to have zero in the body. Now, plants are a great source of a natural type of ingredient. You mentioned plant sterols. And that's actually, there are some food products that are based on plant sterols. And there's also some supplements that have plant sterols in those. How would you find, if somebody was just at the grocery store, would they see some of these things on the shelves? Uh, they would. Um, it is available um, for purchase in the supplemental form. Um, but, you know, when you look at things like plant sterols, they're already prevalent in things like nuts and seeds. And uh, when you think of in terms of treating things like cholesterol or even things like diabetes, um, one of the things you want to consider is the fiber intake. And so although they are available on the shelf in a supplemental form, sometimes having it in its whole food, you know, whole form is actually more beneficial because it contains the fiber substance. And that helps to prevent the absorption of things like fats and sugars in the digestive system. 
So you're going to find them in like the salad aisle, the vegetable aisle. Right. So you you might see them in, I know there's sort of a plant sterile butter that was available years ago. But if you really want to get plant sterols, get plants. Exactly. You know, the edible kind and start eating a bunch of those. You'll get some great all natural plant sterols. You'll also get some of the fiber that you mentioned. So in that situation, you mentioned it can help build up the HDL, that a high, happy, high HDL, high density lipoprotein. And that actually helps the body to get the LDL out of the system, go through the liver, get repackaged and get pushed out of the body, which is great. Is that one of the only ways in a dietary way that you can increase your HDL? Because I often tell people, you know, HDL is a combination of genetics, exercise, and there are some dietary things you can do, but you're not necessarily going to have the same effect on your HDL as you will on your LDL when you work on your diet. Is that true or am I just like no, blowing, that's absolutely blowing correct. smoke and telling people the wrong thing? No, no. Okay. No. Mm-hmm. So let's talk HDL. Good numbers. I saw somebody the other day, their HDL is like over 110. I have about 10 or 15 folks whose HDL is in the triple digits. It's pretty amazing. And there's also a lot of longevity in their family history. And I see that they they don't seem to have some of the same problems that some of my other patients do. They're the ones that aren't really having the issues with strokes or heart attacks or blockages or blood flow issues. So the HDL can be protective. Yes, definitely. And you can also find it in things like fish, for example. And it's also another good source of fats, along with things like vegetables, avocados, um, that sort of a thing. So it's not, you're just not limited to nuts and seeds alone. It happens, you know, exists within a bunch of fruits and vegetables that we consume on a daily basis. Um, So yeah, it's very prevalent. You're making me hungry. Okay. Let's talk about LDL because that's, you know, I'll often tell people that's your low, lousy, low-density lipoprotein. The lower you can go, the better. But there is a caveat to that because I do think the body needs a certain level of LDL. And when we measure it in a standard cholesterol panel, we can't really, the standard panel does not differentiate between the LDL your liver makes and the LDL you ate. So it's combined together. So you don't necessarily want to want to take a look at your LDL and have it so low that it's undetectable. That, that would not be good for your body. So what are some of the ways that people can naturally reduce their LDL, their low, lousy density lipoprotein? Um, so there are supplemental forms, and we can kind of delve into it. Um, there's something called uh, red yeast rice. Um, red yeast rice um, was known uh, for its ability to decrease uh, inflammatory markers and something called LDL, which we've already discussed before. And what they found was um, there was this rice that has been fermented with a type of yeast. It's called monascus purpureus. And it contains something called monocolins, um, which are often found in um, statin drugs, specifically lovastatin. And what they found that it worked very similarly to it. So when we're thinking of it in terms of the mechanism of action of statin drugs, what we're finding is that it's inhibiting um, an enzyme called HMG-CoA reductase. And in turn, what that results in is lowering your cholesterol levels. So that's how the pharmaceutical-grade statin works, but we're finding that the monocolons work very similarly. That's correct. So this natural product, red yeast rice, can actually reduce LDL. Yes. 
Is there a certain percentage that you generally see is about 10 to 15 percent? Could it be more dramatic than that? So usually when it comes to things like red yeast rice, I would compare it similarly to more of a low to moderate level statin. Um, So with that being said, you know, people would probably ask, okay, well, why would I choose red yeast rice when it works similarly to a statin drug? And the answer to that question is sometimes um, with statins, uh, patients often feel um, side effects, for example, fatigue, myalgia, which is muscle pain. And when they've transitioned on to um, something that's more natural, um, sometimes it decreases the outcome of those side effects from happening. So side effects would be one reason. Now, where does coenzyme Q10 fit into this? Because I know that a lot of the folks that I see that are on statins often come in and say, should I be on CoQ10? And when I first heard about it, I was like, well, I don't know. Where did you find out about that? So then I did a little research, and it seems like the use of the pharmaceutical-grade statins might reduce that particular coenzyme in the body, and then you need to supplement it. So is that similar to red yeast rice or no? Uh, so because red yeast rice are similar to a statin, you should be supplemented on CoQ10. And um, when you're looking at the pathway as far as why CoQ10 is being depleted, um, you know, unfortunately with statins, um, because it decreases that HMG-CoA um, that I was mentioning to you before, um, it also inhibits uh, the the production of things like CoQ10 as well. And the reason why that's really important is uh, CoQ10 actually serves as not only an antioxidant that protects your cells from damage, um, but it also helps to um, create the downstream of things like energy production. And so oftentimes when that's being depleted, um, you'll have side effects that are associated with the medication. So even if you do choose to take the prescription-type statin, doing a CoQ10 would be good for you. If you're on red yeast rice, CoQ10 may also help you as well. Yes. So there's that combination that you could consider. Would you ever use statins and red yeast rice? I would imagine that that additive effect may not really make much of a change in your body, or would it? Um, You could. Uh, but you have to make sure that the patient's being well monitored by someone who is extremely knowledgeable about the use of things like red yeast rice. And in order to do so, you know, you have to get your routine lab testing um, because as far as the effects of red yeast rice, um, it's available throughout the whole market. And unfortunately, like you mentioned before, when it comes to the supplemental industry, um, because it's not regulated like how pharmaceutical meds are, um, it comes in terms of things like, you know, how much of the statin-like effects is happening. And sometimes that can't be monitored with just any reduced rice that you're finding over the counter. So it's important to make sure that you're getting it from a reliable source. And oftentimes a naturopathic physician is able to guide you through that. Yeah, I've had some folks bring a huge bag of supplements and just drop them on the exam table and say, what do you think of these, doc? And I'm like, well okay, I mean, I can look at the bottles and I can sometimes read some of the ingredients and maybe pronounce them. And sometimes they're very pure, so it's just one ingredient. But it's hard to know what type of manufacturer you can really rely on for the purity standards. And then also just to give patients guidance because some supplements interact with others and or prescription medications. So we can often see that, in fact, that whole combination is something that we need some extra help with. All right. Well, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. I'm here with Dr. Catherine Nakamura. She's a naturopathic physician, and she and I are talking about cholesterol and what are some of the ways to complement the types of treatments that I may recommend and she may recommend to help people to have the best cholesterol that they need in their body 
for the types of processes that require it and not too much. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about how do you know what supplement is a good one and what are some of the data that we see on cholesterol reduction. I just saw somebody come in today and we'll talk about red yeast rice and how it helped him to manage cholesterol and what we can do to make sure we don't build up blockages. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio with Dr. Catherine Nakamura. She is a specialist in helping us to figure out the natural ways to treat cholesterol, as statins are not necessarily best for everyone. There's some new medications on the market. In fact, like PSK9 inhibitors, they make cholesterol go down even to single digits. That's sort of a new sort of genetic treatment that's available out there. And there are some studies to show that it can reduce risks of heart attacks and strokes in people who have already had those events. So, you know, certainly if you have serious problems with cholesterol, there may be some other types of treatments that you might need to consider if you've had effects from the cholesterol. But then some recent studies have come out that have shown that, you know, there's a lot of people who just have high numbers and they don't necessarily have any side effects from those high numbers, nor do they have to rush to medication to treat it. So there's some options for folks that is available out there. And I think, honestly, cholesterol should be individualized in how we look at that because, it isn't just about cholesterol. You know, there's other risk factors for those blockages we talked about, like diabetes, smoking, high blood pressure, other things that in combination really could put people in a situation where there's an unnecessary risk that we could mitigate and manage in some way. Now, when folks come to me with supplements, I'm often, you know, I'm... I'm knowledgeable enough to know generally what they're taking something for, and I can look up some of the research but if somebody has some questions about how one supplement interacts with another one, maybe interferes with a prescription, where can they get that information? Um, so, you know, I always advise all patients, you know, seek a naturopathic physician, a licensed naturopathic physician, um, because we do have the training to identify what those interactions are and how to avoid them, um, you know. We often kind of think of things like, uh, don't doctor Google me, things like that. So we do have, you know, five years, four to five years of medical school training that allows us to identify what those things are. So I always advise to everybody, um, you know, if you have any questions or concerns, um, it's probably best to seek uh, naturopathic care. Well, and it's funny because I had somebody come to my office not that long ago and had spent like four or $500 on some very fancy supplements, but didn't know what they were supposed to do for him and didn't know how to monitor it and wasn't quite sure if it interacted with prescription medicine. And some of the medications were serious, blood thinners and heart rhythm medicine. So you really, you have to be careful when you look at some of the products and, and you choose to take them that you've reviewed this with someone who has that level of expertise. And even in some cases, pharmacists may be another place that you can get some of that information. But, you know, I always think more information is better. Talk to someone with the expertise, and then also review that information more than once and not just on the internet. So are there particular types of companies or places that make products that you think have a purity standard that meets the requirements that you would have in your practice? 
Uh, there are definitely some brands out there. Um, but, you know, with that being said, no brand is created equal for all of their products. So whenever there is any supplement that ends up on uh, my recommendation list, um, they do have to go through a protocol where they basically let me know um, where are they getting their resources from? How are they processing it? Um, all of these informations are very essential, even if whether or not they have research to back it up to claim that they contain the substance that they do and whether it actually is effective for a condition. So all in all, unless they pass all of those things, um, they are not recommended to patients. And in fact, there was a study, I believe it was in 2015, where they um, surveyed a bunch of supplements within some major um, grocery stores. And what they found was actually about 22% claimed um, to have the actual substance that they were trying to say that they did. And the majority did not. So um, with that being said, unfortunately, since it's not um, regularly like how pharmaceuticals are, you really want to be careful. Well, you mentioned something interesting. You said, you know, there's, there's what the claim is on the bottle and what's actually in the ingredients, but not all companies are going to be good with every single one of their products. So when you decide that you're going to recommend a product for someone, it sounds like you do some fairly significant due diligence to make sure that the company is telling you where they get it from, showing you some purity studies, showing you the research behind why they think what they have in there is reflective of what it is that you're trying to use it for. So then there's that extra step of, you know what this particular ingredient is and what it should do in the body. So it's not just knowing the purity, but the next step is knowing what particular supplements someone should take based on their health status and based on their symptoms or based on laboratory studies or some other type of analysis. Now, it's, it's easy for me when I measure blood pressure, for example, to know if a blood pressure treatment is working. Or like today, I saw an individual who had high cholesterol and tried the red yeast rice and brought it down by about 30%, which was fairly impressive. And it's also statistically, I can look at those two numbers, the pre and the post and compare them. How can you monitor some of the supplements? And are there ways that that can be monitored just like I can monitor blood pressure or cholesterol or sugar or something like that. Actually, the monitoring is very, it's pretty much the same as what you do. Um, we do obtain a baseline. Um, for example, if you're talking of it in terms of blood pressure, what I'll have my patients do is monitor and record their blood pressure at home. And also we're keeping track of what their vitals are in our office visit and making sure that um, things are being well controlled. Um, so we're doing our due diligence on our part to ensure that the patient is safe. Um, and when it comes to things like cholesterol, we will be monitoring. Just like if you're introducing a statin medication, it's important for for you to make sure that the patient is being monitored until they reach that ideal um, standard. So you'll check cholesterol just like I would check cholesterol? Yep. Do you think we need to have more cooperation? I mean, I see a lot of folks who say to me, I want to try an all-natural approach, and I will do my best to try and provide them with the information that I have, which may be somewhat limited about what that all-natural approach should be. In an ideal world, should we have more direct collaboration with naturopathic physicians and what we, what I would be like a conventional physician to really try and figure out the holistic kind of wellness approach for folks? 
I do. I think that, you know, everyone is their own individual and not everyone's going to respond well with certain things. And so having more tools in your hand um, will be more beneficial as far as providing um, the appropriate care for that patient. And in the ideal world, if we could work together, you know, I think that would be great. Um, I think patients would be happier and um, there would just be more options available to them. We'll add a nutritionist on our team and maybe like a physical therapist or exercise person. And I mean, that's sort of the dream team of keeping people well. And I think our, our previous model of trying to treat sick is really now transitioning to trying to keep well. And that concept is something that I'm excited about. So I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us. Today on The Body Show, we've really learned a lot about what is cholesterol, why we need it, why we shouldn't go too low, and what are some natural ways that people can treat it. So thank you for being on with us thank today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely my pleasure. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can find our podcast, whypublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also listen to us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and we will see you next week. We're going to continue our conversation about ways that we can focus on staying healthy and well, and what are some of the ways that we can support that, not just in ourselves, but for one another as well. We will look forward to hearing to having you hear us again right here Monday on The Body Show. Thank mm-hmm. you.